Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. Have you ever felt like lots of songs sound really similar, even when they're by completely different artists? You can't really put your finger on what they're doing that sounds so familiar, but you know it's something. It turns out there are certain elements that show up again and again in popular music. Rhythms like the four on the floor drum beat have been used in dance music since the disco years. There are also formulas for song structure, like the tried and true format that goes like this, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. The chords of a song can also follow familiar patterns. It doesn't matter if the songwriter has a master's degree in music theory, or if they've never taken a music class in their life. It doesn't really even matter what genre they're in. The same chord changes get used all over the place. They're almost like foolproof recipes for writing catchy hits. You've probably heard dozens of these songs without realizing what they all had in common. But the recipes have been there all along. A big part of what makes a song feel a certain way comes from the chord changes, or the chord progression. A chord progression tells you which chords are being played, and in what order. When two songs use the same progression, it means they share the same basic musical DNA, even if the style is totally different. One of the most popular chord progressions is over 300 years old, and it's still going strong. It was written by a composer named Johann Pachelbel around 1700. Pachelbel's canon is famous or notorious, depending on whom you ask and what instrument you play. That's Jennifer Gersten, a violinist and music journalist. Pachelbel's Canon is one of those classical songs you've probably heard a thousand times, even if you don't know it by name. It's probably most well-known for being played at weddings. It's often played when the bride is walking down the aisle. It's sort of this hallmark of celebratory, refined tradition. It's a bellwether for everything that most people associate with classical music, which is, as the name implies, high-class perhaps knows a little bit up in the air, well-dressed event. It's also just one of those songs you might hear in a commercial, or in the lobby of a hotel, or almost anywhere. I think it's also an example of a classical work that might appear on a lot of anti-anxiety playlists or like classical for your morning because you're not fully conscious and you just need something to accompany you like, you know, brushing your teeth. This is really the only piece that Pachelbel is known for. Some have called it a one-hit wonder, and I wouldn't disagree. Up until the late 60s, Pachelbel's canon was pretty obscure. But in 1968, a conductor named Jean-Francois Piard recorded this version. So this single 1960s recording catapulted the canon to fame, and I believe that at that point, people started to realize how fungible it was, so it could just be used in such a variety of situations. Pachelbel's canon hits kind of a Goldilocks sweet spot between happy and sad. It's pleasant, 
but not so upbeat that it feels goofy. It's kind of bittersweet. It's tender. In other words, it's perfect for a pop song. This is Rain and Tears by the Greek rock band Aphrodite's Child. It came out the same year as that famous recording of Pachelbel's Canon. Over in Spain, a band called the Pop Tops released a song called Oh Lord, Why Lord? No, I cannot understand. No, I never, never understand. I suppose its catchiness sort of caught on, and from there, the next explosive moment in Pachelbel's history was its use as a theme song and opening track for the 1980 movie Ordinary People starring Mary Taylor Moore. I suppose the popularity of that film, as well as everything surrounding the marketing, pointed out to many people that Pachelbel's canon could in fact be integrated into popular life if we break this progression down to the most basic version, Pachelbel's canon sounds like this. With those chords as a framework, you can find tons of variations. In the 90s, bands started taking this chord progression in all kinds of new directions. Here's the Blues Traveler song Hook. The Green Day song Basket Case brought some punk energy to Pachelbel's canon. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything? Vitamin C's graduation, also known as Friends Forever, made the connection even more obvious. It seems to wend its way in one way or another into so many songs that are a tremendous part of our cultural memory. These days, Pachelbel's canon is still popping up in hit songs. Maroon 5's Memories uses both the chords and the tune from Pachelbel's canon. Here's to the ones that we got. It's hard to be more literal about an interpretation of Pachelbel's canon. It's almost a canon verbatim. It begins with the guitar essentially just evoking what the violins would be doing at the beginning. And then the singer just starts essentially mimicking the later variations and then adding his own after a while. I suppose it's fitting that it's called Memories because for me it evokes all the horrible weddings that I've had to play. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's very triggering. But this isn't the only chord progression that pop music has become obsessed with. Another famous one is an upbeat little chord progression called the heart and soul changes. Heart and soul, I fell in love with you. This is the Hoagy Carmichael song of the same name. This is a version from the late 30s by Larry Clinton and his orchestra with singer Bea Wayne. These chords are also called the ice cream changes because they go down so easy and they're delicious every time. Like Pachelbel's Canon, the ice cream changes are based on the major scale. If you play the white keys of the piano starting on C, you get the seven notes of the C major scale. 
when you stack three or more notes on top of each other, it makes a chord. So if we take a C, E, and G, we get a C major chord. Since we built it on the first note of the scale, we can also call it the one chord of C major. If we build the chord on the second note, D, we get the two chord, D minor. We can do this with all seven notes to get the seven basic chords of the C major scale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And because I don't want to leave you hanging, the one. To make a chord progression, we don't need to use all seven of them. We can just pick a few. For instance, we could start with the one, then go to the six, which sounds a little more sad, then over to the four, and then to the five. That's the ice cream changes. One, six, four, five. It's hard to track down exactly who used this chord progression first, but if you're an Elvis fan, you'll know this song. Blue moon, you saw me standing alone. This chord progression defines the sound of the 50s. Here it is in Earth Angel by the Penguins. Earth Angel, Earth Angel, will you and in a song by the Five Satins. And in this song by the Everly Brothers. Dream, 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 dream. Ben E. King's performance of Stand By Me became so famous that people sometimes call these chords the Stand By Me changes. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see but these ice cream changes go way beyond just old school R&B. Here it is in Octopus's Garden by the Beatles. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Led Zeppelin also uses these changes. Bonnie Tyler used the ice cream changes. And so did Whitney Houston in this Dolly Parton classic. And I will always love you. And even Rebecca Black released a viral hit that used the same progression. And here it is in the song Me by Taylor Swift. As popular as these chord changes are, there's another one that's even bigger. Over the years, this single progression has come to dominate pop music. One band even made a viral hit by making fun of how overused it is. My name is Benny Davis. I am a musician. I'm probably better known as a comedian. I was once part of a three-piece called The Axis of Awesome. And if you've heard of them, it's because you've heard of the big viral hit that we had that I wrote that was called Four Chords. That's coming up after the break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last episode's mystery sound might have been a little too tough because no one guessed it right. That's the sound of a kongling, which is a horn used in certain Tibetan Buddhist rituals. Traditionally, konglings are made from human thigh bones. This episode's mystery sound should be a little easier. Here it is. If you know that sound, tell us by going to the web address mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll be entered to win one of our super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirts. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From Pachelbel's Canon to the ice cream changes, pop music has a habit of finding catchy chord progressions and reusing them again and again. But there's one progression that's the undisputed champion of them all. It's been used by artists ranging from Leonard Skinner to Lady Gaga, and from Bob Marley to Blink-182. This progression is so common that people often just call it the four chords. Even when a songwriter chooses chords because they just sound good together, there's actually a reason why those chords fit together so nicely. Perhaps our most memorable chord progressions begin from a place of stability, head towards a place of tension, and then resolve back at that place of stability. In musical terms, this is called functional harmony. It's sort of like the story arc of a character in a fairy tale. They begin at home, and then there's some kind of tension, right? You reach a climax, and then at the end of the day, the prince and the princess kiss, the dragon is defeated. So I think that the chord progressions can kind of be thought of almost as like the plot of a song in a certain way. We're starting in one place, we're going to another place, and then we're ultimately coming home. In the case of the four chords, that journey goes one, five, six, four. Each chord is a different beat in the story. So let's say you start off at home. Then you head out to get some coffee. When you get to the coffee shop, they've run out of your favorite muffins. It's so disappointing. 
So you just grab a coffee and head back out. On your way back, you see a really cute dog. Finally, you get back home. Now let's say this song is too high for your voice, and you want to play it in a lower key. You can build the progression on a lower pitch, but all the relationships between the notes stay the same. Now the progression sounds like this. These aren't the exact same chords, but they have the same feel, because they're still the 1, 5, 6, and 4 chords, just in a different key. In other words, it's the same journey, just starting at a different place. Whether you start off at home, at your office, or at a friend's house, you always go out to get coffee, miss out on a muffin, see a cute dog, and eventually end up back where you started. One of the earliest examples of the four chords is the teddy bears, To Know Him Is To Love Him. The king sang over the four chords in Always On My Mind. Maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should have. Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry is also built around the four chords. No woman, no cry. No woman, no cry. And so is Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner. Blink-182 uses the four chords in a song called What's My Age Again. And Lady Gaga uses them in The Edge of Glory. And this is just the tip of the four chords iceberg. Most of us really don't mind making that same journey over and over again with different artists. But for songwriter Benny Davis, that predictable journey really started to wear on him. I would be trying to work out songs from radio and people would say, this is a great song. And I'd be like, no, it isn't. And they'd tell me to learn this song. And I'd be like, that's the same song. And they'd be like, nah, no, it isn't. And I'd be like, yeah, it is. Benny had dreams of becoming a successful musician. As a uh, desperate teenager, Looking for something in place of a personality, I played the piano and sang and learned pop songs, and I guess I was an aspiring musician, so there was a point where I had some cover gigs, uh, bars around the place, and yeah, all the requests I got were just the same four chords. Eventually, Benny got involved in live improv, playing piano alongside stand-up comedians. At the same time, he was also learning lots of cover songs. And a friend suggested to me that I learn Don't Stop Believing by Journey, which I'd never heard before. I went home and listened to it, and that was the straw that broke my back. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is just another four-chord song, and this goes back to the 80s. And I thought, well, at least it's a nice piano riff that I can play over. Benny went home and made a list of all the songs he could think of that used the four chords. He put them all in the same key and then strung them all together into a medley called The Four Chord Song. The first time he played it for a real audience was at a college event. 
I first performed it at a proper show, I think it was at the Sydney University Arts Review in 2006. It actually came about kind of by chance because the show had the dress rehearsal the night before and it wasn't going to be in the show. That was just something that I'd done at rehearsals in for fun, for sing-alongs and stuff. And then the night before they were like, we need to add something to the show. Do you think you could do this? Yeah, we did it on opening night and it brought the house down. I got standing ovation and people walked away saying it was the best part of the show. And yeah, it's one of my, I'd say my top 10 happy memories. The same year, Benny formed a trio called Axis of Awesome. At a comedy festival, the band recorded a live version of Benny's medley that incorporated 47 different songs. And then it went on the internet and it didn't get much traction on our channel. And then some 16-year-old kid from Sydney ripped it and then put subtitles on it that said what each song was. And that version went viral. That got millions of hits. And then Ashton Kutcher tweeted it. Ashton described the song as awesome with an A+. And then after that, it was just 10 years of touring and playing four chords for literally everyone who'd seen us on the internet and wanted to see us live. Benny couldn't get away from those four chords in the bars of Sydney. And now he was playing them almost every night to rooms packed with fans. Ultimately, he gave people what they wanted. Well, we kept updating it, kept adding new songs, people kept writing them. Over the years, Axis of Awesome added over 30 more songs to their medley. In 2011, they even released a music video. Save tonight. It's gonna take a lot to drag me away these days, Benny still plays the four-chord medley for friends. I made a new arrangement of it, just for a private thing. I haven't published it or anything. In this version, Benny included songs that start on the six chord, then follow the same pattern. In other words, they're starting the journey with the missing muffin, seeing the dog, going home, and then coming back to the coffee shop. So we've got Christina Aguilera with Great Big World, Say Something. Say something, I'm giving up on you. Not the Same by Ben Folds has a section with that in it. You were not Still Falling for You by Ellie Goulding. Skin by Rag and Bone Man, that's actually a really good song. How Far I'll Go from Moana, plus Dear Theodosia from Hamilton, both of which are written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Wagon Wheel, that was four chords. Let It Go, the Oscar-winning original song, that's four chords. Someone Like You by Adele, as well as Hello by Adele. 
nervous, the whistle song, little talks, cheap thrills, capsize, no vacancy, Despacito. Despacito is a big old four chord song. I'm not even halfway through here. So why do people gravitate towards these familiar patterns? For one thing, familiar is comfortable. It's the same reason some people like to fall asleep to The Office every night, even though they've seen every episode like 10 times. Of course, not everyone is like that. After Jennifer's years of playing Pachelbel's Canon at weddings, she now looks for music that surprises her. I find that I almost listen to music to be disturbed from my regular rhythms. There's like a way that I go about my life and I feel like when I listen to music that I am diverted from that way or I'm introduced to something new. And that is like a continual experience for me. But you should listen to music for whatever reason you want. I just think it's important not to allow any piece of music to become a monolith such that you almost stop listening or that you're not hearing what is interesting about it. Even within a predictable structure, there is so much room for variation. Part of what makes a great artist is to be able to breathe new life into old ideas. After all, some of the most inventive musicians in history have used the four chords, including the Beatles. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I think that all of this has happened before. It's almost impossible to come up with anything that's truly going to be entirely sonically unprecedented. And so the interest is in the way that something is being remixed or the purpose to which it's being put or how it feels. Popular music is a kind of shared language with repeated tropes and patterns that we're all familiar with. Some artists deviate from those patterns and write songs with five key changes and four different time signatures. Other artists keep it dead simple and write songs with only a few chords and a simple time signature. Who's to say which approach is better? As far as I'm concerned, if a song speaks to you, then it's a good song. Besides, if you want people to sit around a campfire and sing along to your song while someone plays a guitar, simple is probably the way to go. I have always thought of pop music as being kind of part of a folk tradition because of how simple the language of the music is. Because what's good about pop music isn't the complexity of it. Anybody who's analyzing pop music through that kind of lens, trying to compare it to art music, I think is on a fool's errand. That's not what's good about pop music. Pop music is good because it's how we consume music, how we share it, how the familiarity can unite people. Twenty Thousand Hertz is hosted by me, Dallas Taylor, and produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. For a little sonic inspiration, follow DeFacto Sound on Instagram. Thanks to our guests, Jennifer Gersten and Benny Davis. You can find Jennifer's work at jennifergersten.wordpress.com. And an extra special thanks goes out to Benny for letting us use his new version of the four chord song. Be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Benny the Jukebox, to hear more of his work. This episode was written and produced by Martin Zoltz-Orstwick and Casey Emerling. With help from Sam Sneebly. 
It was sound edited by Soren Bejan. It was sound designed and mixed by Nick Spradlin. If you'd like to help us name episodes and get bonus 20K content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash 20K. Thanks for listening. 